When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, but you can call me Lassie Maven. And I'm Av Sedensky, and my days of elevator etiquette are over. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 1, Episode 5, Interior Decorator, which originally aired on November 12th, 2000. Now, Av, this episode features a character named Marissa Wienerker, and it's very fortunate that we're recording this today because on last night's episode, uh, we're recording this on March 2nd, 2020, so on last night's episode in Season 10, we had uh, the return of the Wienerkers. Yeah, there's been some very weird season one vibes going on in this season. I don't know if that's just always the case, where just like Larry constantly goes back to the well on similar ideas and similar names. But like we had a Jet storyline again in this week's episode. We had a Wieneker storyline. Um, there's just uh, there's been you know the last week we had a similar scene with Larry trying to get down a hallway and being blocked by an- another person as he's trying to get somewhere. So there's just yep. been like similar things going on the last couple of weeks in um, in both you know real life curb in 2020 and this podcast covering season one. So I don't know if that's like intentional and like building up to some sort of conclusion that's going to like somehow tie things together. I very much doubt it. It's just been a little eerie to kind of watch week to week and see kind of similar things going on. 20 years apart. Yeah. Now, my theory is there's a word for the term when you learn a new word and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere, but it was, it was always there. You just didn't notice it before. You know that yeah, phenomenon? I know that phenomenon. I know it's like it's there's like something like that with like the Native Americans and the boats um, is like a documented historical thing with that, um, that like they didn't notice the boats because like they just like didn't had never seen boats before. Um, yeah. I forgot what the term is, but yes. I know so exactly I'm just wondering, about. is it is it that just because we're doing a rewatch of season one while we're watching season 10 that we're noticing all these parallels? And if that we could were be. watching season two or season three, or are they really there? Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. But listeners, let us know what you think, because I think some of our listeners are, are watching season one along with us while also watching yeah, season it's, 10. Yeah, it's probably just that like Larry David's a very idiosyncratic person and just like has like ticks and references that he'll fall back on. Uh, like, there's, like there's no good reason why the character from this week's episode would have the same name at Wienicker as this character from season one. Like they don't even like pretend that they're connected in any way other than yeah. just other than just like the name. Like there's no other. Yeah. Connection. Although to be fair, and we'll get into this a little bit. Uh, she pronounces it in this week's episode. She pronounces it Winoker. Whereas in last night's episode, they really did pronounce it the same way as our friend Akiva does. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because I actually accidentally watched this episode uh, last week uh, when I was trying to watch the season 10 episode because I just like had them both lined up in my queue. 
and I just went on the wrong one. And I hadn't yet watched that episode from the 2020 episode until like Thursday of the week. And I was just like, how is it possible that there's a character named Wieneker in this week? And like, I haven't heard any anyone mention this, like on Twitter and like the various WhatsApp groups that I'm in with you and Akiva. Like, why is no one talking about this? I'm like, I haven't listened to the podcast yet that Rob and Akiva do. And I'm sure this is going to be like the main topic they discuss. And now I'm sure it'll be the main topic they discuss on this coming week's episode. But it was just like one of those weird things. And then I realized I was watching the wrong episode. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into this episode. And again, listeners can tell us if they see parallels to season 10 or if we're just, you know, seeing things. This week's episode starts, Larry walks into an office building where he intends to visit Dr. John Lynch on the third floor. By the way, another interesting thing in in the season 10 episode last night is that Dr. Wienerger was his doctor and was specifically, uh, you know, looking at a rash on, on his body. And, and because I had just seen the season one episode with the Wienerker, I was confused. I'm like, wait, was the doctor named Wienerker? But no, uh, the doctor's not named Wienerker. The patient's named Wienerker or Winoker. Uh, the doctor's name is Dr. John Lynch. So uh, Larry has a splint on his finger. And as the elevator is closing uh, in the lobby of the, of the building where the doctor's office is with Larry alone in it, a woman who, by the way, uh, looks sort of like Artemis from It's Always Sunny in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. Uh, do you remember Artemis? Yeah, that's not a bad call. Yeah, but uh, this is someone different, apparently. Uh, anyways, this woman is running towards the elevator and calls out for the elevator to be held. And Larry, gracious as always, uh, reaches out and he holds the elevator. Then uh, Larry graciously gestures for her to exit the elevator before him when they both uh, get get out at the third floor. And she's walking down the hall and Larry tries to pass her down the hallway, which, as you said, is evocative to what happens with him with Fred Armisen in an episode a couple weeks ago in season 10. Um, and he's trying to pass her down the hallway towards the doctor's office, but she keeps zigzagging to prevent him it seems like it's inadvertent because she doesn't turn around to look at him so i'm not sure how she would be aware that he's trying to pass he's trying to pass her yeah she might what what was your take there she just might feel his presence like you could feel like you she could hear his footsteps probably she you know it's like somebody's like inching up behind you like you could either just hear them or feel them um she's clearly she knows exactly what she's doing oh she does okay i think so so. yeah I, i wasn't sure about that so yes it turns out they're going to the same office and she signs in on the sign in sheet just ahead of him and her name is Marissa Wienerker, although she pronounces it Winoker. Uh, I had forgotten that, or more likely, when I first saw this episode, I didn't know Akiva Wienerker. So right. I was very excited to see that on the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, um, and Marissa Wienerker has become like much more famous since this episode aired. Oh, she so was, what is she in then? She won a Tony. She was in hair. She was in Hairspray. Um, she then be, was on Big Brother or Celebrity Big Brother. So she's become like a real person, as opposed to just like somebody who has like a random role in a curb episode like she's oh, wow. a, like she's oh. like a real actress now okay see so, so i didn't know that again when i saw her i thought for a second it was artemis from it's always sunny and we will meet uh, in a week or two we will meet uh cheryl's sister who of course is sweet d and it's always sunny so and uh they they do have a lot of overlap in uh, actors and actresses that we'll see over the seasons um anyways so uh when she gets called into the doctor ahead of larry he goes to the desk where he learns that her appointment was for eleven forty-five, whereas his was for eleven thirty. But their policy is to take patients in the order they sign in, not the order of their appointments. Now, can I go on a rant here? Because this policy is completely moronic. It is. It is moronic to an extent. I mean, 
the the way that they they implement it here is moronic, but it, like it makes sense in general. Like as like no, it a does. Gen- hold on a second. As a general, this would defeat the purpose of appointments in the first place. Well, You're, okay, because you, you you just show up at any time of day that you want. In fact, you co- actually what happens is you have an appointment, whatever time it is between nine a.m. and five p.m. You show up as early as you want because then you can just come in and sign in. So basically, everybody would show up at nine in the morning because they want to show up before work, and then everybody would be sitting there for three hours. Okay, well, except most the whole people- point of appointments is that they have an even flow throughout the day. Yes, except if you're a doctor's office and you have someone who's sitting in your waiting room who's on the schedule for today and you have an opening to see them, you're going to see them because why should they sit in your waiting room? It's, that's, not, that's not helpful for anybody. It's not, it's not well, to the you, doctor's yes. advantage. You should, the doctor shouldn't not see the 1145 person Correct. because the 1130 person hasn't showed up. So but Larry and, and, and Marissa are there at the same time. So yes. if they call out Larry at 1130 and he's not there, then they go to the next person. I agree with you about that. Yeah, so no, but that's needs, not it, abandoning the appointment system. That's no. not doing first come first serve. That's saying that if the person isn't here at the time of their appointment and the next person is, then you take that. Correct. It needs to but be that's a very different policy. It needs to be within reason. Like it shouldn't be like literally if this person walked in two seconds before the other person and that person's appointment is first, the person whose appointment is first should go first. But you know, if if it's you know, if the person is comes, let's say somebody just randomly, my grandparents used to do this. Like when they, if they had a doctor's appointment in the city, like that was their day. Like the appointment would be at three o'clock. Yeah. They would get there at nine in the morning. It was a very big event that they're going to see the doctor. So like they would, you know, they would both, you know, spend the day in, New, in Manhattan seeing the doctor. So, you know, if you have the person sitting in your office and you're like, oh, we have a little bit of a lull in the schedule. And, you know, Mr. Smith happens to be here. Like, let Mr. Smith come in. Who cares? But yeah, obviously the yes. way the yes. way that but, it gets. Yeah, but that's not what happens here. So no, the, yeah. the, the extreme example that we see in the episode is absurd. The policy in general, if done in a normal way, makes sense for everyone involved. Yeah, but again, I think the policy you're describing is not the policy of this office. The policy you're describing is the policy of every office, which Correct. is we honor the appointments. If someone's not there for their appointment, we'll take the person who's available instead. Yeah, and like anyway, we Larry, Larry goes a little bit too far <laughs> in saying that like appointments don't matter. Like I don't think they're going to see someone who like literally doesn't have an appointment that day. Um, and yeah, like, but, the, but if you but if you have an appointment at five p.m., they'll see you if you're there at nine a.m. Um, According to what they said, yeah. So yeah, if they actually do it that way, that would, that, that would be a bit crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so most doctors' offices do a version, or it'll be a less extreme version of this policy. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so th- this this is complete chaos to me. Uh, and Larry rightfully points out that this policy removes the need for appointments altogether. He then sits back down. No, of course, we'll learn by the end of this episode that Larry's a complete hypocrite. But anyway, yes. <laughs> um, he sits back down in the waiting room angrily and tries talking to the other two people in this waiting room about it. But neither is willing to engage with him. So Larry has this sort of comical conversation between him and them where he plays both roles. Now, I need to point out that these two people in the waiting room, at least one of them, and I would need to rewatch and see, I think both of them were visible when Marissa walked in. So they were there before Marissa. So why weren't they seen already? Uh, unless that they're just there waiting for someone else who's in an appointment. Yeah, that could but if be. they're there to see the doctor, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so, they, they, you know, it's either they're there for someone else or, you know, they didn't care. Yes, which is basically, like, there's a running joke throughout the episode of Larry going on these sort of one-sided conversations with the other people in the waiting room, none of whom are engaging with him. But at each time, their presence there doesn't really make logical sense because if they're already there, they should have already seen the doctor. Again, unless all of them are waiting for someone else, in which case, maybe that's why they don't care. Because, or you know, or they could be waiting for a different doctor, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, so that, yes, that's another one. Um, anyway, so 40 minutes later, Larry still hasn't been seen. Now he's standing and lecturing four new people in the waiting room <laughs> about the unjust policy. No one's interested. Marissa finally walks out from the back, and Larry confronts her about how he did a nice thing for her, and it backfired on him. And, like, I'm not exactly sure what she's supposed to say here. Yeah, right? she, I mean, she didn't she, make the policy. Yeah, she didn't make the Should policy. Should she not have signed in first? She is not above the policy. 
Um, you know, I mean, it seems like she knew what she was doing and like exploited the policy. But like, okay, like that's that's life. Like she figured out. But from Larry's perspective, should she not have signed in first? Should she have known that Larry was going to see the same doctor again? Three share that office, and that this was the office policy, and then and Larry was in such a rush anyway. So I I didn't think at this point I didn't think she's done anything wrong. Yeah. Then Larry gets very inappropriate. Says to her, "What are you doing back there for forty minutes anyway?" Yeah, he he (laughs) he certainly crosses the line in terms of like asking her like loudly in a crowded doctor's office about like personal details of her appointment with the doctor yeah now we will know in later episodes of curb that larry doesn't even like signing in at doctor's offices at all he doesn't want his name out there yeah um i also noticed that there's a clock that they show what when it shows the time ticking and my parents have the same exact clock in their house so i was like whoa exact clock exact clock (laughs) very good um Anyways, Marissa walks up to the office weirded out as the nurse calls out for Mr. Dov, Mr. Larry Dov. Because, again, Larry has a splint on his finger, and so I guess his handwriting was a bit askew. Yeah. Anyway, now he's, uh, he's in the office with Dr. Lynch, and Larry complains about the, the, the appointment policy to the doctor. But Dr. Lynch says everyone loves the appointment policy, except for Larry. Um, Larry then explains that he's late for an important appointment with Diane Keaton, who read his script. Now, th- this will come into play throughout the episode, but if it's so important, this meeting, then why doesn't he just cancel the appointment and come back later? Especially because now he knows he can schedule the appointment for any time the next day and just show up whenever he wants, basically. Yeah, I mean, once it got to a certain point, he probably should have bailed out of there and yeah. gone, to, gone to the Diane Keaton meeting. That's probably more important. But, you know, yeah. so, you know sometimes... we also know, you know, like, the running meme in Seinfeld is how, you know, cell phones would have solved every conflict, every issue in Seinfeld. Like, we know Larry has a cell phone because he's used it the last couple of, epi- uh, last couple of episodes. Yeah, he's, yeah there, there are ways out of this jam. But, you know, yeah. I guess he's just dug in and, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah. So anyway, it turns out that Dr. Lynch's wife, who is a lawyer, has also read the script, although she didn't say anything about it. Which, this was reminiscent to me of the time the George's therapist on Seinfeld had read the script for the NBC show, but didn't yeah. say anything about it. Yeah, obviously the implication yeah. is she thinks it's bad. Yeah. Um, anyways, Larry's um, at, the do- at the doctor because he had jammed his finger in his fight with Richard Lewis outside the jewelry store. Um, which, as you noted last week, he really did get injured in real life uh, wrestling with, doc- with uh, Richard there. Yeah, so maybe this is his real doctor. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Dr. Lynch tells him he's fine and he can lose the splint. So Larry basically wasted his time for nothing. He yeah. saw the doctor for like two minutes. And, and then he... Larry actually asks him rhetorically if he has to pay for those two minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so now he's driving out of the parking lot and he owes the woman at the booth $3, but he doesn't have cash. He explains that his doctor and his lawyer are both here and he'll be back on Friday, but she's not buying it. He finally promises her he'll pay her $5 on Friday if she fronts the money for him and she agrees to. Now, I've never really seen a, a, lo- a doctor and a lawyer who are sharing uh, the same office building. Yeah, it's not usual, although I guess it makes more sense when we know that they're husband and wife, like that they just like, yeah. you know, could have you know, rented a space together and then split it up so that they could share it. I guess. Yeah, but, but this doctor is other do- I mean, usually like there's medical office buildings in there, you know, and there's Yeah, it could know, be so maybe they, you know, the the doctor's office had like an extra space and, you know, she, he said like, "Oh, my, you know, my wife needs a space, maybe we could sublease it to her or something like that." It may, it's 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 unusual, but it makes more sense when you yeah. know that they're related. Yeah. Um there are different floors though, we know, and she has quite a nice space cuz she has that big conference room. But anyways, yes. So um anyways, Larry now, he's late for his meeting at the restaurant with Diane Keaton, and when he gets there, Jeff is there and says that Diane Keaton left. Jeff asks him what happened, and again, Larry didn't call Jeff. Jeff didn't call Larry. Larry made no attempts to make any phone calls from the cell phone that we know he owns. Um, I also don't understand why, again, if it wasn't an emergency appointment, he didn't just bail rather than being late for the meeting, but you know, none of this makes sense. In any event, uh, LD tells Jeff that his days of eleva- elevator etiquette, like yours, of, are over. That's right. No more of this. Yes. Um, Diane Keaton says she doesn't want to work with someone who's late like this. 
And Jeff suggests that Larry write her a note, but Larry says he's writing like Tarzan because of his finger. And then uh, as Larry leaves, he asks Jeff if he has any cash. So Larry's really short of cash throughout this whole episode. Venmo yeah. would have also solved a lot of problems. Yeah. And again, um, Larry, for the second week in a row, seems to forget that he has an assistant whose only job is to do things for him, such as yes. writing a note. Yes, but we really never see that assistant except uh, in his office and in yeah. season 10 uh, to his detriment. Actually, yeah. often to his detriment. Anyways, Larry's home, and even though the doctor said his finger's totally fine, he's being very gentle with it. Uh, Cheryl introduces him to the interior decorator, Carmen. Uh, now, we're going to get into more detail, but I'm going to argue that Carmen is the craziest person that we've ever seen in this show, uh, much more so than the old lady who ripped up the directions to Porno Girl's house. <laughs> it's close between but, Carmen and Baby Jane. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to that. So um, anyways, Carmen is impressed with Larry's color because she thought he'd be more pale, which I guess was humorous. I didn't really understand it exactly. Anyways, Cheryl asks how the meeting with Diane Keaton went because, again, Larry doesn't have a cell phone. He can't call his wife. And Carmen perks up at that name because she explains that Diane Keaton has been her client for years. Um, Diane Keaton left a message on the machine at Larry's house and asks Larry to call her back, but static prevents Larry from hearing the whole number. So, and Cheryl and, and Carmen are hearing this whole thing. So Larry says, to Carmen, can you just give me the number? But she refuses, citing confidentiality, confidentiality with her clients, even though she heard Diane Keaton give Larry her number. So this is completely insane. It's completely insane, given that she's like merely an interior director, decorator, and we're just like talking about a phone number. I mean, I guess if like she was like her doctor and like she was sharing her medical information on the phone, like the doctor, I think would be justified in still taking the position that like you know I still am bound by like other obligations and I'm like not allowed to. But like this is just like a rule that she's imposing on herself. And but, but it's information that she knows that he is supposed to have and that Diane Keaton consents to him having. Yeah, yeah. No, given the nature yeah. of the relationship. Like, it's, it's not – yeah, Carmen is insane. What's even more insane is that Cheryl is on Carmen's side. Like, if I'm Larry, I divorce Cheryl at this exact moment. <laughs> it's insane. How, yeah. how is Cheryl on – like, doesn't Cheryl want her husband to, like, like get this job with Diane Keaton? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, she should, like, pull out her phone, and if, like, the number that she was in the middle of saying is literally the number that she has, then she should give it. If it's a different number, I guess you could argue that, like, maybe she wanted to give out her cell but not her home number, whatever it is. But if, like, literally yeah. it's the same number that, that and just, like, the two digits got knocked yeah. out, then, like, yeah, this is nuts. I mean, have you ever done that thing where you call, uh, like, like some, you know, whether it's your bank or whoever, and they ask for some confirmation, let's say your address, and you're not sure which address they have or which phone number they have or which credit card they have, so you sort of list a couple until you get, because they won't say it to you, but they'll right. confirm to you once you get it right. Yeah, you can so you ask them, like, like, oh, is it, them. is it, like, is it a 212 number, or is it a 516 number, and they'll kind of, yeah, like, so Larry at least... has, like, all the digits but two. He could have just said, is it 64, is it 65, and then, like, Carmen could have just said yes to one of them, but Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Um, none of this should be a real issue because Jeff clearly has Diane Keaton's number. Right, yeah, I was thinking or, that Or too. has the number of someone who does since he set up the lunch meeting. So why can't Larry just call Jeff and explain what happened? Um, also, yeah. if Diane has Larry's number, then why does she have his house number and not a cell phone number? So this is the second time in this episode that Larry's lack of using his cell phone makes no sense. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have a – yeah, maybe in this episode he doesn't have a cell phone. Who the hell knows? Yeah, so yeah, none of this makes sense. Anyways, um, now it must be Friday because Larry's driving back to his lawyer. He's on his cell phone with Cheryl, who is upset because Larry has fired Carmen. So he didn't do it on the spot, so he did it later, I guess, with Cheryl not around. Um, but yeah, Carmen got the boot. Um, Oscar from the office and the State Farm commercials is now at the parking ticket booth. And Larry tries to give him $10 to give to the lady from the previous visit. So Larry's being very generous. He promised her 5 He's giving her 10 But Oscar doesn't want to accept it because he says he's only willing to accept it if Larry agrees that he's, quote, not responsible. 
Um, though he does eventually accept it, and he reassures Larry, I will give it to him. Yeah, and I, I get it. Like, he just doesn't want to get involved. Like, I mean, this is just like, yeah. you know, a guy, he just like wants to mind his own business, and like he has like a simple job. He's uh, probably making very little money. Like, he can't risk yeah. like doing something that's going to like jeopardize his job. And he just like, he's like, I don't want to get involved in like whatever weird scheme this crazy bald man wants me involved yes. in. <laughs> and by the way, it's an unfortunate, an unfortunate reference to a Seinfeld trope uh, is that both of these ethnic characters, both of the, uh, the parking attendants have uh, have like strong accents yeah. in their English in this episode, even though neither actor speaks with an accent in real life. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can argue that that kind of job would be more likely somebody with limited English, but you know, again, it just it seems like not a not a great move. Anyways, uh, he's back in the lobby. The elevator door is closing, and a woman is calling out for Larry to hold the door open. But what did he tell Jeff? He doesn't observe elevator etiquette anymore. Exactly. So Larry does like the fake trying to hold the elevator doors open, but really letting it close, uh, which is a move I think we're all familiar with, only to notice at the last moment as the woman sprints to the door that, and he sees who it is, that this is actually the woman from the parking booth. And so as the door is closing, he screams apologies to her through the closing door. If I had known it was you, I would have done it, but uh, she looks very pissed off. Yeah, and rightfully so. Uh, I mean, from her perspective, yeah. this guy is clearly trying to sneak away without paying her her five bucks back. Yeah. So she gets to work that day and she goes straight to the lobby to look for Larry. Like, how did she know Larry's even there? I mean, it could be she was walking in and she saw him from the distance and she wanted to yeah. chase after him and be like, hey, you owe me the money. And then, you know, that yeah. gets just compounded when he sees that he sees yeah. her and he's trying to run away <laughs> up the elevator. Yeah. Um, all right. So now Larry's uh, talking to his lawyer, who is uh, Nia Vardalos. Yeah. And he complains to her about her husband's waiting policy. But lawyer Nia explains that Diane Keaton's agent told her that she's pissed because Larry missed the meeting and then didn't return the call. Now, first of all, um, I don't understand what Nia's role is. Like, isn't this all Jeff's job? I mean, it's I, unclear what, what what value added Nia is providing. Here. Yeah, well, she certainly doesn't seem like she's adding a lot of value other than just charging him money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess she's his like entertainment lawyer and he's his agent. I'm, I don't know enough about that business to know how those two roles over uh, you know intersect or overlap, if at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I think the agent puts the deal together and then the lawyer maybe negotiates the contract. Yeah, so maybe she represents Diane Keaton too. So she just like heard yeah. through the grapevine or whatever that you know there's a dispute going on between them. Yeah, but this doesn't make any sense anyways about him not returning the call because Larry had Larry reassures her that Jeff had set up a new meeting. So how could Diane Keaton be pissed about the non-phone call return if Jeff called to set up another meeting? Then he would have had to mention that the reason that he was doing the calling rather than Larry is because Larry hadn't got the phone number. So yeah, some people part, are, it doesn't make sense. Some people are unreasonable. Yeah, so maybe Diane Keaton's unreasonable. That could be. Um, I just heard a Carol Kane last week on um, on WTF podcast, and she is good friends with Diane Keaton. And she said that Diane Keaton is a wonderful woman. She seems like a wonderful but, woman. She's excellent yes. in everything. She's good. She's in comedy. She's in drama. She's she seems yeah. like a lovely person. Yeah, the, there was a little bit of like George Steinbrenner in Seinfeld in this episode of Diane Keaton, where we never actually see her body. We see her like legs. We see her from behind. We hear her voice. Yeah, so it's almost it that they couldn't. It almost begs the question why they chose Diane Keaton if they didn't have Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton available. Yeah, I'm sure there's many big names they could have uh, found for this role. So, yes, strange. Um, there are, unless there are, this was a joke cer- of some sort. There are certainly many big names they could have used without having the person. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true also. Um, anyway, Larry uh, gets in a fight with Nia, the lawyer, because she charged him $1,500 to read his script. Um, and again, it's unclear to me what Nia's role is, if, if she already has Jeff. But Nia, who had given Larry no acknowledgement or feedback about the script reading previously, now tells Larry he needs a lot of work. She's going to bill him not only for the the, um, the three hours it took her to read it, but now she's going to bill him for the notes she took. Larry yeah. says he's not interested in her creative feedback. He tells her to call his new lawyer if she wants to collect on the 1500 Yeah, I mean, 
based on what we know, it sounds like she's totally ridiculous here. Like, there's no reason why she should be reading the script. Like, she's a lawyer. She should be, like, reviewing contracts, you know, putting a deal together, or whatever it, it is. It's much worse when her husband tries to defend her. Yeah, and, like, and especially without... It's one thing if Larry said, like, yeah, you know, if I could use another set of eyes, and then she's like, okay, if I'm going to spend the time, then I'm going to charge you my normal rate, even if this is not legal work. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. I'm asked to do non-legal work, and if it's in the context of a client relationship, you know, they're going to get charged if that's what they want me yeah. to do. That's not, you know, yeah. that's not my problem. But, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, by the way, I decided to watch, you know, six movies that your company put together and now I'm going to bill you for, your, for the time because, you know, as a courtesy, I decided to watch the movies yeah. and now here's a bill. A friend. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so now Larry's in the parking garage in the basement and the woman from the parking booth comes running at him and demands to be paid. Yeah, she calls, uh, him, she calls him Lexus, man. Yes. Um, she accuses him of lying about having paid Oscar and lying about having not known it was her when he failed to hold the elevator. Larry takes out his wallet to pay her back, but all he has is a 20. She has no change. She grabs the 20, and Larry tells her, well, now you have 30 for me, but she insists that it's only 20. As she walks away, Larry sees Nia, who saw this whole exchange and is very unimpressed with Larry's uh, behavior. Um, as Larry pulls out of the parking lot, now he doesn't have the $2.20 he needs for parking. <laughs> so he explains to Oscar that he needs the $10 back because he gave the, his other $20 to uh, the, the, the female attendant. But Oscar won't do it. He says he can only give it to Joanna, which is what we discover her name is. Yeah, but um, Oscar is nuts here. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like Oscar, like it's you know, there's the later episode of Curb where a woman makes Larry promise that she won't, uh, that he won't allow her to have dessert no matter what, and he tries to strictly enforce that. And he says, "You only asked me because you knew I would enforce it." I actually, this happened with me with uh, Dr. Jen last week, where Dr. Jen had like these like chocolate things that were very addictive, and I said to her, "I said, do not give me any more." And she said, "Okay." And I and I, I had her put the bag on like the other side of the couch. So I couldn't read it, reach it. And I said, "When I ask you, don't give it to me." And like five minutes later, I asked it to her. And she just immediately gave it to me. Yeah, I mean that's what I would do. I said, also, what are you doing? I told you not to, and she wasn't involved. In yeah, I, I yeah, I would I I would take the same line as Dr. Jen there. This is not my problem. Yeah. Uh, but no, but this part like it's it's his money. He gave you the money an hour yeah. ago. Like you should, and you, now he wants it back. You know that it's him. Yeah. Like just give it back. Yeah, this is crazy. exactly. Yeah. It's not like it's not like if Cheryl has showed up and said, "Hey, my husband gave you money." That's one thing, but it's the same person. So yeah. Oscar's being a little odd here, um, especially he says, "I'm not responsible." So it's not even like he like you know made some oath. Anyways, meanwhile, the person in the car behind Larry is beeping because she's getting very annoyed, and it turns out that it's Nia. So Larry is forced to ask Nia to borrow cash. So she gives him a five, and he promises he's going to give her back ten. I'm not sure when he, she's owed fifteen hundred if the extra five is really going to do it for her. <laughs> so yeah, it's the second time she has seen him uh, since he exited the office angrily. And uh, it's not going well for Larry uh, with his uh, making an impression on you at the moment. Anyway, Larry pulls up to Diane Keaton's house where Jeff is waiting because he's a half hour late again. Again, no phone call or anything. Um, Larry and Jeff quietly complain that Diane's assistant has an attitude. Did you notice that? I didn't notice that. No, I don't think so. Yeah, the woman who uh, shows them in. Yeah, she seems fine. She seems fine just like her and Diane Keaton are both lovely as far as I'm concerned. Yes. (laughs) Larry sees a lamp of Diane's that is very familiar um, this is Chekhov's lamp, I guess. Now, Larry already broke a lamp uh, last uh, in the Porno Gill episode a couple That's weeks right. ago. I assume this lamp is a reference to the fact that you know that Carmen decorated both houses and she's recycling her lamps. Maybe she gets them from uh, yeah, Bolo, I, I think that Brian's house. I think that the, the, the takeaway was supposed to be that like it's something that like Carmen must have suggested or put yeah. in their house, and that's why he recognizes it. Yeah. Now, I thought that the um, the decor in Dan Keaton's house was horrific, and I thought that Larry and Jeff were going to make a comment about that, but they don't. But it's very just. I don't know. Not, overdone and not my style. Yeah, I don't know what my, your thoughts were. Not my style either. I'm not a very... Yeah, uh, anyway, the while they're waiting person. in this in this ante room, they see Carmen walking out, and she confronts Larry, uh, very similar to uh, Joanna from the parking uh, uh, attendant. She confronts Larry and demands a check for her work. 
Larry says that the check was mailed to her, um, but she says she didn't receive it. Now here she's being completely unreasonable. Like if he's mailed the check, what reason do you have to think he's not going to pay you, right? Has she spoken to Nia or something like that? Like there's no reason for her to think that she's not going to get paid, but she attacks him. She says that's not how she works and she needs to be paid right now. And then she physically attacks him and starts choking him. They both fall onto the ground in the process of smashing the lamp. And Carmen, um, you know, wrestling with Larry on the ground, calls him an animal. At some point, her anger turns to lust and she suddenly starts kissing Larry passionately on the mouth on the ground. So, yeah, yeah, this is uh, totally berserk. Um, I, so, yeah. I, I read that. Um, Larry David was not told that she was going to try to kiss him, that this was like a, an ad-libbed by the director and oh. by the, the actress. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And just like just, just to like mess with him. And I guess that resulted in a funny scene. But yeah, no, I mean, this is <laughs> totally, totally crazy behavior. Yes. Um, I mean, much crazier than, um, again, the woman who ripped up the park. I mean, like she literally starts making out with him. She knows he's married. She's met his wife. Um, it's in front of his business manager and her colleague. Like she's rolling on the ground. And, and Larry looks up to see Diane Keaton's feet staring at her making out with Carmen, presumably um, un- disapprovingly. Um, although, again, it wouldn't look great for Carmen either. And she also has something to lose with Diane Keaton. But, but anyway, um, I guess you're right. It, it does make sense that this was not part of the script, because if it was, you'd have to assume that there'd be consequences with Cheryl. Right. I guess Larry uh, with another woman. Yeah, well, he doesn't really, but I guess you know the you know well, Larry's never going to get. He could give. He, he's like, never look. This happens in a later episode with the masseuse, right? Yeah, he, he does a he, couple of tugs. He's never going to get the benefit of the doubt in this situation. That's yes. for sure. Yeah, and as, you, you would think that you know that Diane Keaton might mention it, that Carmen might mention. Who knows? Uh, Jeff would not mention it, obviously. But, um, anyways, uh, Larry pulls into the same parking lot where his doctor and lawyer are. He sees Joanna in the booth. Um, I don't really understand this. Rather than parking in the lot, he decides to like park on the street. Yeah, well, because he doesn't want to deal with her. But, I mean, but she should like him at this point because she's got 30 bucks of his money. Yeah, I think he just, like, thought, like he's had bad luck going into that parking yeah. lot with her at the helm, and he just wants to, like, avoid yeah. that. But as it turns out, of course, he doesn't have change for the meter for the street parking, so he starts asking every uh, passerby for change. No one has it, and then, of course, one of the passersby is Nia, who looks on disapprovingly. Um, anyways, Larry's going for the elevator back in the lobby again. He asks the person inside, now Larry's the one on the outside, to hold it. And lo and behold, it's Marissa Wienicker, who crosses her arms and refuses to do so. To which I say, Marissa Wienicker, much like your cousin Akiva, you are such a bitch. Larry did it for you last time. This is, like, not nice. It's, um, it's, not, he, it's not nice, except then he, like, berated her in front of a whole yeah, room of people and asked her a bunch. True. So, like, I think she's reasonable in being like, I don't want to be in a share an elevator with this maniac. And, like, now that for sure she knows the policy and knows that he's probably going to the same place as him, knows that it's to her advantage to get there first. Yeah. Anyways, um, Larry uh, sprints up the staircase, desperate to get to the doctor's office before her. Uh, they start wrestling in the hallway as Larry tackles her and repeatedly acts in a way that I would say would be deeply inappropriate in 2020, if not in 2000 as well. Um, they struggle each to get in the door first, uh, very similar to the to the fight with Richard Lewis last week. Um, uh, and um, Larry does manage to get in first and sign up before Marissa. And I sort of love that moment how like once they get in the door, they both act like totally proper. Yeah. You know, I think that's a signful thing. Like, Jerry would get in little spats and then sort of, right, wouldn't he do that sometimes? It, it reminded me of that fight from, like, the first or second scene of Kill Bill, where, like, they they have, the like, the fight, and then the girl, like, the little girl comes in, and they, like, stop and pretend everything is normal for, like, 30 seconds until she goes up to her room, and then they continue trying to kill each other. Yeah. Now, Kill Bill, of course, is two mil movies, so you're referring to the first one. <laughs> the second one. I'm referring to Kill Bill Volume 1. Yes. <laughs> Uh, inside joke. Uh, anyways, uh, Larry sprints up the staircase, uh, as we said, desperate to get to uh, Dr. Lynch's office before Marissa. Um, he, ma- he makes it in 
in the door before her. He feels very triumphant, only to discover that the office has changed the policy, and so Marissa will get in first, even though he signed up first. Larry, very upset, now complains that they changed the policy based on one person's complaint. Uh, you shouldn't listen to just one person, he says. And then the um, the receptionist says, apparently it's not about the policy at all. It's just about you going first. Uh, she very correctly notes about Larry's complaint. And Larry says, yes, that's completely true. The policy should be that I always go first. Me so first. Larry's lost all credibility. Me first. That's the policy, is what he says. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so Larry really loses his credibility here. Um, I'm surprised he, lecturing. I'm surprised yeah. he isn't like even though he's getting screwed in this one situation. Look, I feel like Larry David, the person and the character, should be like more happy about the fact that like he caused the change in the policy of the doctor's office. Like he should be patting himself on the back for that, even if it screws him over today. It, it would be the kind of thing Larry would do. Yes, to be very proud of that. But in this instance, for whatever reason, he's not. Anyways, um, now Larry is lecturing a new group of waiting room folks <laughs> about the new policy, and again he's playing both roles because again everyone's ignoring him. Um, and again, when Marissa emerges after 40 minutes, Larry asks her what she was in there for anyway. Um, again, the receptionist comes out and reads Larry's name wrong because of his poor handwriting as a result of his finger. And she calls him Lassie Maven. And uh, this earned uh, the first and loudest, well, I guess only at this point, uh, LOL of the episode for me when she says Lassie Maven. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. And, th- and, then, and then she says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was you, Mr. Dove. And then I laughed out loud a second time. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, she, I really like the the receptionist. Really hits it out of the park. Yeah, she's very good. It's no Swiss. It's no Swiss picnic for her. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, she does say that. Um, uh, Doctor Lynch comes in, and Larry explains he hurt his finger in a new fight. This one with the interior decorator, um, and that's even before the fight with Marissa. Um, he's getting in lots of fights with women. Um, <laughs> the the doctor, yeah, seems a little perturbed. That he's getting in all these fights. Um, after looking at it for a minute, he announces that it's a hairline fracture. Now, number one, there's no way to know this with su- without with such certainty without an X-ray. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, doc, they could say, "Well, it resembles this, but we got to take an X-ray." They yeah, just yeah. Say, oh yes, this is a hairline fracture. Yeah, especially if it's a hairline fracture. It's like one thing if like your yes. your arm is like hanging <laughs> by like a thread. You can say, "Okay, yeah, that's clearly broken." But to be like, "Oh no, that's clearly a very tiny fracture, imperceptible that I can tell from out." Yeah, it, uh, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, number two, I wonder what kind of doctor is this anyway. Um, he's probably he's some like sort of like, or, or yeah, he's probably like an orthopedist, some you know something like yeah. that. Um. Because that's not a kind of doctor that a person regularly has is like their doctor, you know, who's like on a close relationship with him. But anyways, because um, uh, sort of the way that Larry talks about him implies that he's Larry's internist. But, you know, you wouldn't go to an internist with these kinds of issues. Yeah. But they're uh, probably, it does seem clear to me that he, Larry seems to think that all doctors and lawyers are basically like do everything. Yeah. Well, it's probably also like they're friends because like clearly there's some relationship here. If he's using a husband and wife as his doctor and lawyer, so they're yeah. probably friends. So like he's probably like the type of doctor that like he calls with like whatever issues he has going on or like he sees him and he asks him questions about his heart and his liver and all sorts of things just because he's a doctor even that's not his specialty so he probably knows a lot about larry's medical situation larry tends to be seemingly friendly with all his white collar sort of um uh, servicers throughout the show right we just saw it with his dermatologist uh, dr wienerker of course in uh, episode in season 10 just last night as well yeah and that both makes sense because of like the you know culture and society that he lives in there's probably like a lot of professionals that he's that but are hold various... on but you have lots of friends who are doctors and lawyers are you friends with your doctors and lawyers i am not but there are people yeah. that as a habit will specifically use friends for those things and there are people that specifically won't but more most of all it's probably just like it's easier for or, you know, writing a, a TV show to like, have these people that Larry has relationships with. So. And also, like, it just, like, makes it more interesting. Yeah. Anyway, Dr. Lynch tells Larry that he won't treat his finger until Larry pays his wife the 1500 she owes, he he owes her. Plus, he has to pay in advance now for the finger treatment. Yeah, this is highly inappropriate. You can't, you know, yes. you, I, I, I don't know the rules. You cannot mix the two. But this seems like the type of thing that he, he could, like, lose his license for. That, like, he's, like, 
conditioning serv- medical services on payment of like some totally unrelated debt is, you know. Yeah. And also, before, it had seemed like, well, Nia read the script. Maybe it was unclear why she did it under what circumstances. But Dr. Lynch, in trying to defend his wife, makes her sound much worse. Because when Larry says that he never asked her to read it, she says, but he says, but she read it anyway, Larry, as a professional courtesy and as a friend. Yeah, th- This makes no sense. Th- if it's a professional courtesy or a friend, either way, she can't charge for that. That's the definition of professional courtesy. Yeah, by the way, Alex, I just want to let you know, I read all of your charts last night as a courtesy. You owe me $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so Larry's 100% right here, um, but he angrily hands Dr. Lynch his credit card, and then Dr. Lynch is very happy. He says, hey, you're going to get miles. So, <laughs> Yeah, and then the episode ends very abruptly. I was surprised by that, because like, it's just kind of like a random ending. There's no like kind of unexpected thing at that last second. He yeah, just pays, there's no like, punchline. Yeah, he just kind of pays the bill. Um, so like, not the best ending, um, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, now I'll say like the problem in general with all of Larry's arguments about money is that it's always like it's about the principle for him because like none of these amounts of money like really matter to him, right? He has hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so it's kind of hard to get worked up. Yeah, no, he's definitely, he's definitely very rich. I don't know if he has hundreds of millions of dollars at this point because I don't like this. The Steinfeld syndication hadn't gone totally crazy yet, probably the way it has in the last okay. 20 years. But yeah, he's still extremely, extremely wealthy. Obviously, yes, it's just the principle. He's a cheap person by nature. He doesn't like, he doesn't like to feel like he's being taken advantage of, I think is a big thing for him. Um, but yeah, yeah he's, you know, these are obviously very small amounts of money for somebody as wealthy as him, and he's very petty about it. Yeah. All right, so Av, overall, uh, how do you uh, rank this episode? Um, this was like middle of the road for me. I, I, as I said, I think the, the end was kind of rough. And as you mentioned, like there aren't like great laughs, but I did think like all of the, like the parking lot attendant stuff and the way it just kept coming back to bite him and the, the waiting room switcheroo was clever. Um, so overall, I'm going to give this, uh, three pretties, pretty, pretty, pretty good out of five. Yeah, uh, I think I'm a little lower on it than you are. Uh, to me, I think this is my my least favorite episode thus far. I just I understand that like there's going to be absurdity in curb plots, but I wanted to at least have some internal logic, and I just thought there were too many gaping holes. His sort of he has a cell phone when he needs it, but then he doesn't have a cell phone. He he goes to unimportant meetings before important meetings. It just I don't know the the whole thing. I thought it didn't really make a lot of sense for me. So so I did not love it. Um, I'm going to give it two. I'm going to say it was pretty pretty good. Um, I, it's probably the worst episode we've seen so so far. Is my uh, yeah. opinion, but yeah, that's but fair. I need to point out that there are those who disagree with me. There is uh, a gentleman by the name of Zabon who made a ranking on IMDb, and he has this as the third best episode of all time. Wow! Ranker also has this as the sixteenth best episode ever. The Ringer, when the Ringer ranked all the episodes, they had this as sixteenth best episode ever as well. So they really like this episode. IMDb and Vulture have it much lower down. Uh, they have it uh, below average, although not not as low as I do. So I think I'm a little lower than most. But yeah, yeah. But Zavon, Zavon loves this episode. I'm surprised so. that people are so high on it. Um, but yeah, interesting. I mean, it does. It yeah. does have like. I mean, the interior decorator and Wienaker are both like very memorable characters. So that could be part of it. Um, and I th- I think like all the hijinks with the parking lot and with the waiting room is good stuff. And like him like him like sitting in the waiting room talking to everyone is very funny. Just that's like classic Larry ruminating on nonsense. Uh, that a lot of people seem to love, um, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I'm definitely not as high in them as that. It's like a, it's like a middle of the road episode for me. All right. So the question is, if you like both Marissa Wienerker and you like Carmen, so who is the come with guy or girl for you in this episode? 
I'm gonna go with Marissa just because the as you mentioned the interior decorator is just like too crazy and like it's just like not grounded at all enough to like really work. It's like you're you're just more like taken aback than anything. Whereas Winoker is like her scenes are very funny and like you kind of get where she's coming from a little bit and like that the brawl with Larry at the end is just amazing. Like watching Larry David getting his ass kicked in the hallway is you know that's what we're here for. I guess this is part of why I have this episode so low. I don't. I really don't want to give this award to anybody. There's nobody who I did not like Winoker. I I thought that she was you know I I didn't understand her motivation the first time when she's sort of zigzagging and I I was not very impressed with her. I don't recognize her also as, as a bigger actress. I guess like you did. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, I guess I will give it to the receptionist because she got my two LOLs yeah, um, of the episode. So yeah, the uh, the receptionist in uh, Doctor Lynch's office gets it for me with her. Um, <laughs> Lassie Maven, and then, oh, sorry, I didn't owe you, uh, Mr. Dove. So. <laughs> All right, uh, so uh, should we go to our mailbag? Yeah, we, got, we have some uh, mailbag letters to read. We also uh, have received a couple of ratings on iTunes. Um, obviously, all of the ratings so far have been five-star ratings because this is a five-star podcast. Um, no, no, they have not been five stars. They've been five pretty, 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 pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Apple Apple really needs to update its methodology yes. to incorporate that. <laughs> I um, want to see five little Larry David heads. So, you know, anyone who's a listener who wants to, you know, help support the podcast, one good way to do that is to go to uh, the iTunes store and leave a rating. Obviously, you should not do so unless you're going to lead us at least i'd say four and a half stars will accept anything less than that <laughs> please don't um, we only want very high ratings uh, but yeah uh, rating the podcast well will help uh, other people find the podcast so the first rating comes from somebody with the name accidentrep.com i have no idea what that refers to um, and they say alex and av mix the perfect amount of banter with their informative insights on each episode the tangents that they go on are insightful and hilarious i highly recommend the podcast if you're looking for an in-depth curb recap keep up the good work that's a very nice review and then somebody named jeff p 29 who i think i might know who that is uh says these guys have a good rapport and cover this great series in detail worth a listen so thank you very much to jeff and to accident rep uh for those reviews and anyone who's interested uh you know let's go over to the itunes store and leave a review uh we also got some emails we got one from ab sutton who agrees with you that the interior decorator is easily the craziest character we've seen so far the next email comes from Zach Brooks, who says, the whole opening scene was full of such annoying stuff. I hate it when someone presses the elevator button after I've already hit it. Yeah, that's a classic pet peeve of mine. It's like, you see that it's lit. What are you doing? Like, you do not know how elevators work? Uh, the girl yeah. is Akiva's family member. But people yeah. always do that anyway. Yeah, it's like but it's yes, just like a psychological tick that people have. Um, yeah. yeah, he points out that, you know, Marissa Wienaker from Celebrity Big Brother and from Akiva's family reunion. Um, he says that old curb is such good social comedy. Larry talking to all the people in the lobby about the policy was hilarious. All right. Very good. Thanks, Zach. Next email is from Claire Hendrickson Jones. Not sure if you guys noticed the lady in the doctor's office saying it's no Swiss picnic for me either while Larry's complaining. I've heard it's no picnic before, but I've never seen this variant seemingly implying that the Swiss picnics are superior to other picnics. I've never heard it either. Have you ever heard Swiss picnic as opposed to just a, a picnic? No, I've never. Yeah, so I I did hear it in the episode. I didn't think much of it. I just assumed that Swiss picnic was uh, was the term, but yeah. it is not. Is that yeah. the confirmation that well, Claire Googled and she so she Googled and said that other than a traumatizing alternative de- definition she saw on Urban Dictionary, there weren't many other search results. So now I'm intrigued. I'm going to obviously go check on that as soon as we hang up. Did the show make Did the show make it up for comedic effect, or have I been living under a rock? So you're definitely not living under a rock because I've never heard this either. Alex has never heard this either. You know, if, if listeners are familiar with this, if someone has more information on what a Swiss, what Swiss picnic is as opposed to a regular type of picnic and whether or not it's better or worse or neither, uh, feel free to write in and let us know. 
Now, I can imagine that the Swiss have delightful picnics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they wear those, like, those bonnets, and they have, they, you sit Lander out, Hosen, like... Don't they do that? Yeah, and they sit out on, like, something, like, you know, a probably, like, idyllic pasture with a blue sky, so it's probably a lovely picnic. <laughs> um, yeah. Amir writes in, why would Larry schedule an important meeting right after a doctor's appointment? Has he never been to a doctor before? Is he unaware that oftentimes there's a long wait? It's obviously annoying, but that's kind of a standard risk. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, if you, and it goes to like the point we were saying earlier. If you have this appointment meeting, this important meeting, like that should take priority over what is probably not a very important doctor's appointment. Um, Larry says that his days of etiquette are over and he's not holding doors anymore, but he doesn't really stick to that. In season nine, he doesn't, he doesn't hold the door for the lesbian hairstylist, but it's not because he doesn't do it in general. It's because strictly because of the type and distance calculation. Yeah. I mean, nine, nine seasons later, maybe, maybe he's re, uh, revisited his etiquette elevator policy, but fair, <laughs> fair enough. He's, he's, he certainly doesn't have to, doesn't seem to have strictly incorporated this new policy into his life. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amir also wondered just as we did how the doctor is able to immediately know that Larry has a fracture. He said he spoke to a doctor friend of his and it would be impossible to tell that somebody has a, a fracture like yes. this without an x-ray. So yeah, we agree yes. with you, Amir, about that wholeheartedly. And yes. the last email comes from number one, pretty, pretty, pretty good fan, Olin Allen. Um, he says on this week's episode, he had some quite he had some quite fun individual confrontations, particularly with both parking attendants. Overall, it started off very slow, and I don't think there was any great narrative drive for the episode. Restrained, disappointed Jeff isn't so much fun to be around. I wouldn't mind rewatching some of the individual confrontations with the parking attendants, but would probably give the episode two pretties out of five. Also, if Larry was to do a Seinfeld finale style Me Too trial, there's a couple witnesses for the prosecution from this episode. Very, very true. Uh, he gives the star of the week um, to come with guy to Karen Mariama, the female parking attendant. Finally, okay, I'm, that's fair. I'm sure it would be discussed, but have Av and Alex ever billed customers for leisure reading? So, yeah, no, I would never do something like that. That's crazy. Um, what I do is I simply I calculate the amount of time that I worked on the project and then I double it. And that's what I build the client. That was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I've um, I joke also sometimes with like my fantasy football league or some of my charts. I'm like, oh, don't worry, I'll bill it to pro bono. But uh, but I've yes, I don't actually do that. So uh, yeah, this lawyer so is uh, deeply unethical. What what you may not know about clients is they don't like paying, so you can't yes. just charge them for random things because they don't even like paying you for the things that you're supposed to do. Yeah. All right, Av, we are uh, looking forward to uh, next week's episode. What do we have next week? Next week, we have The Wire, in which Julia Louise-Dreyfus makes her first appearance on the show, so that'll be very exciting. There's a telephone wire that Larry and David don't like, and as a result, they become friends with their bizarre next-door neighbors, and hilarity ensues. Yes. Uh, The Wire television show, by the way, I think premiered on HBO just about a year after this episode of Curb. So maybe uh, this episode was so successful that uh, HBO decided, listen, we need more of The Wire. Yeah, The Wire is a spinoff of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and as a huge fan yes. of The Wire, let me say it would be pretty, 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 pretty good. 